0: The following sermon was recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org. Uh, so now let's turn in the word to Matthew chapter 20 as we look at the scripture this morning, uh, titled my message, Upside Down Leadership. And so let's, um, let's read from uh, Matthew 20, starting in verse 17 They said to him, We are able. He said to them, You will drink my cup. But to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant. But it is for those for whom it has has been prepared by my Father. And when the ten heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called them and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Uh, This is a passage really about uh, what we call upside down leadership. Uh, and in this passage, Jesus makes it clear that if you want to be great, uh, if you want to be uh, in a position of leadership or importance in the kingdom of heaven, you must become a servant, and not only that, but, but a slave. And so Jesus actually turns just upside down the whole picture of what a leader is. Uh, a leader, um, in Jesus' day, uh, treated everyone under them as a slave. Right? If you were a leader in Jesus' day especially, uh, you were lord and master over people. And you expected people to do your bidding and to really serve you. But Jesus says, no, a, a leader is someone who makes themselves like a servant to others and even a slave. Uh, leaders were at the top of the social hierarchy in Jesus' day. And slaves were at the very bottom. And so Jesus turns upside down this whole picture of what leadership is. Uh, and, and what it meant for people in his kingdom, leaders in his kingdom, to be uh, leading those who, who, who they serve. He says you need to become a, a slave to them. Uh, chances are, uh, most of us don't aspire to what James and uh, John did in this passage of being uh, Jesus' right-hand man. Uh, and by asking to be at his right in his hand, they were asking for the top positions in Jesus' kingdom. And probably none of us, for a lot of reasons, uh, aren't aren't aspiring to that. And maybe we don't even think of ourselves as being leaders or certainly not great leaders in in global positions. Uh, Some of of you are. Um, But it's important to understand that what Jesus is talking here is so much an important part of the character or nature of his kingdom that it really affects leadership at every possible level. So he's not talking here just about the most important, the greatest, the top leaders in his kingdom, but all through every area of life where, where his kingdom has influence and where the nature of his kingdom is to be visible, it should be evident and visible in the way we as his followers, as his disciples lead, right? And, and so leadership happens at many different levels. And the truth is that, uh, in our lifetime, probably all of us as followers of Christ will lead somebody. Right? Uh, there's leadership in the family. So husbands are to lead their wives. Uh, parents are to lead their children. Uh, I think there's even a role for grandparents to be leading their their tribe or their clan. Um, so so we're leaders in that in that realm. We're leaders in the workplace uh, and. Uh, we may start at the at the bottom rung, but as soon as you get the first promotion, you're over somebody. You, you've gained some level of rank, and so uh, in the workplace, we're we called to lead. lead uh, uh, and, and as Christians, not just in in Christian organizations, but even as we, we may have opportunities to work in a secular workplace or a business, uh, we're to lead in a certain way. Even where we're not leading just Christians, where we're leading in the world. We're to lead with a certain kind of leadership uh, that's characterized by what Jesus is explaining here. So it doesn't matter if, if you are the owner of a company or, uh, or, or the, the main uh, CEO down to uh, the lower level leaders or su- lowest level supervisor, we're uh, to do it uh, in a way that's distinctive of, of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, certainly it would be true in the church, with pastors and elders but also uh, children's workers and uh, those leading programs and ministries in the church. It's true of the worship band leaders and uh, uh, administrators who, who help direct and lead in the church. Uh, some people have opportunities to lead and serve in civic organizations or in, in, in governments. And, and they are to lead uh, following these kind of principles. And of course, uh, there's... Uh, Today, all kinds of Christian ministries, ministry organizations, missions groups, Christian schools, uh, where people lead. And so Jesus is talking really to all of us as we lead in these different roles, whether it's uh, like uh, James and John seeking the, the top position in the kingdom, down to every area of life. Uh, we are to follow Jesus' example and lead in a way that's really upside down, from how the world leads. So, what exactly does Jesus mean by that? And of course, we all know, uh, we're familiar with this passage, and we all know that we are to be servant leaders. Uh, But I want to talk today and really break down practically, what does that mean? What does it mean for us to be servant leaders, uh, uh, especially in our world today, uh, and in the things that we may lead and face in our world today? Um, So, let's jump into the passage, and and, uh, it actually starts uh, with... Um, the, the Jesus and the disciples heading up to Jerusalem, and uh, in, in Matthew 9, nineteen twenty eight, to back up just a little bit, uh, Jesus has been talking about uh, to the disciples about their role, and, and Peter asks this important question about, you know, we've sacrificed a lot, we have we have given up everything to follow you. What's in it for us? And Jesus assures them that they are going to gr- get great rewards. Uh, both now and in eternity, that God is going to replace everything that they've lost a hundredfold. And in the midst of that, he says to them in verse 28, Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, that is in the the regenerated kingdom when God brings the fullness of his kingdom, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones. Uh, And of course, if you're one of the twelve disciples and you hear this this promise that, yeah, you sacrifice a lot, you have given up to follow me, but I am going to reward you well, and you are going to rule with me on twelve thrones over the very house of Israel and over my kingdom. And you are going to judge the tribes of Israel, he says, uh, the twelve tribes of Israel. Uh, And uh, probably this is a position unique to, to the apostles, the first apostles, uh, but, the, but they also represent us and that we will all rule with Jesus in, in heaven. Um, but this probably is on their mind. right? He's, he's been talking about this. And so as they're going up to Jerusalem, we know that the disciples still really hadn't grasped the fullness of what Jesus' kingdom was about and what his mission was. And so as they're going up, uh, you can just imagine the disciples thinking about what their throne was going to look like. right? I'm gonna, my throne is going to be like this, and, and uh, imagining that as they go up to Jerusalem, maybe this is the time when Jesus is going to bring his kingdom. He's going to overthrow Rome, and he's going to establish the throne of David, and they're going to rule with, uh, with him. And uh, so, so Jesus wants to warn them of what's coming. And he wants to make clear to them what his mission is. And Jesus is on a, is on a mission. Uh, and he is committed to this mission, and we see this in his resolve to go up to Jerusalem, even though Jesus knows what 's about to take place. Um, he 's committed to this, and what 's about to take place, place is that he says we 're going up to Jerusalem not to sit on thrones of glory, He says, but uh, he, uh, he, he skips that right He said and said, no we 're going over, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, the leaders of, of, of Israel. And they will condemn him to death. And they will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. And on the third day he will be raised. Um, Jesus makes clear that that he is committed to God's mission and that mission is the cross. Uh, And uh, this is not the first time that Jesus has spoken of his death, but this is by far the most detailed where Jesus says that he's not just going to be betrayed, but he's going to be betrayed into the, into the Jewish leaders who will condemn him to death and hand him over to the Gentiles. And this is new. Uh, and that uh, the reason he's handed over to the Gentiles, to the Roman authorities, is that he will be crucified. Uh, the Jews were not allowed in, in, in this era to do that. And so uh, he would be put in the hands of, of not conquering Rome, but to be executed by Rome and to be uh, uh, dying of this horrible death, right? This horrible, horrific death. And so uh, the, the picture here is one of, of, of being handed over to Israel's worst enemy, the Romans. Not of delivering Israel from Rome, but of coming under, uh, uh, under their heavy hand, of ultimately uh, humiliation and death. Um, and then he does also say that the, the, the promise and assurance is there that after three days he will be raised. Um, it's clear that the disciples really had no idea what Jesus was talking about. We know now that he's speaking specifically of, of the resurrection. Um, but we're not, uh, it's, it's likely that the disciples kind of went all by them. In fact, most of what Jesus says here apparently goes by them. Um, because it says in the next verse, Then, then the mother of, of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came with this request for glory and thrones. Right, So uh, apparently they're not grasping really what Jesus is saying here. But it's important to see that um, leadership is ultimately being on a mission that God has sent us on. And Jesus is a leader. He is the supreme example of servant leadership. Uh, But that leadership is clear about the mission, right? Jesus is committed to the cross because that's the mission that God has sent him to. That is why he came, was to die on the cross for us. And it really helps us understand something of what leadership is. Um, A leadership uh, is is someone who is on a mission, but it's not our mission, right? We don't invent, invent the mission. It's not our idea. It's not our plan or our goal, uh, in God's kingdom, leaders are those who understand God's mission and are committed to fulfilling God's purpose in their life and in the lives of those who are following them. We are all followers of Christ, and he ultimately is the leader. And, and we're simply helping people connect and follow well Jesus and accomplish his purpose and mission. Um, uh, and so Jesus knows where he's leading them, right? He knows his purpose, and he knows what he is about. Um, in today's world, uh, worldly leaders have their own agenda, right? They have their own ideas and their own plans, their own mission. Or in, in more democratic worlds, and we see this kind of unfolding in democratic countries around us, uh, world leaders are supposed to represent their people, their their, their country, and the mission might be defined by... Uh, the the will of the people, so to speak, in democratic countries. But what we see is that in most countries, that's that's now uh, a 50-50 division, where one group of people have one idea of what that vision is, and another people have a very contrary, opposite vision of what that should be. And so leaders are elected and and, uh, appointed to carry up that vision or that vision. And oftentimes they're in competing visions. But, but Jesus says, no, our vision is, is, is the mission of God. And for Jesus, it was the mission of the cross. And ultimately, it's the mission of the gospel. And then that is what he calls all his followers to, is the, is the mission of the gospel, of salvation through Christ alone, and to proclaim and live out that message. Um. So, so we see that in, in, in Jesus and we see his, his commitment and resolve. So he knows what's coming in Jerusalem and he, it would have been very easy to him to say, I'm not going there. But he has this resolve and commitment to fulfill God's purpose and God's mission for his life and to lead others with him on that mission. Um, so, so then it says, we, we, uh, change of scene, but, but they're connected. It says Then. And it's important to see this request in light of what Jesus has just shared. Jesus said, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to be betrayed, mocked, flogged, and crucified. And it makes uh, this request uh, startling, right? That, 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 that uh, the, the mother of the sons of Zebedee would, would have the boldness to make this request, right? Hey, when you get to your glory... Um, I want my sons, say the word that my sons would sit on the chief thrones, right? that they would sit at your right and your left, speaking of the highest positions of, of authority and power in your kingdom. Uh, clearly, uh, what Jesus just said has kind of gone by them, and they're not really understanding the significance of Jesus' true mission. Um, and it's interesting that, in, uh, that it's, their, it's their mom that comes, right? and uh it it could appear like this mom is taking matters into her own hands um, uh, uh where does mom come from well there's there's a whole crowd of people traveling with Jesus from Galilee up to Jerusalem and we see that uh we'll see that in the next account at the uh, triumphal entry uh this crowd going with Jesus and so um so 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 um James and John, the sons of Zebedee, get their mom going with them, which is great because I'm sure she's cooking for them. I don't know. Maybe she's packed their bag. I don't know. Uh, she's going with them. And it could look like uh, he, she's, you know, that one of those kind of moms. And, you know, moms can get away with this, right? Moms could make this request because moms, all moms, feel that their child, their son, could rule the world, right? And so so here's this proud mom Certainly, my two boys deserve like they're ones who could rule the world. Uh, Jesus picked them, right? Uh, and, and 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 the mom and, you know you could get this picture of the uh, James and John going, "Oh, mom, please don't do this. You're embarrassing us, right? Don't don't do this." But actually, we know that um, that they were in on it, right? And we know that because later it says that the ten were indignant not at the mom but at the two brothers. Right? Uh, and so this is this is not just a mom kind of carried away, um, and Jesus addresses them in the plural. So uh, he says to them, "Are you willing to bear this cup? Are you able to bear drink the cup that I drink from?" Uh, and he's not talking to their mom, right? He's talking to uh, James and John. Um, so, so here's this bold request, right? To give word to sit. There's, there's 12 thrones, uh, but I want my sons to sit on the top of those 12 thrones. The, 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 the highest position who, where they will have control, they will have charge over everyone else. I want you to put them in charge even of the other 10. right? only one over them will be Jesus himself as king. And, and Jesus says to her, in verse 22, he says, You, you do not know what you are asking. Right. You, you just do not know what you're asking. And there's a couple of reasons why their quest, her question uh, just falls so short of understanding uh, what, what she's really asking. And for, the, for, for James and John, the sons of Zebedee, what they are asking. And the first one, is, he says, you don't understand what you're asking because you don't understand that, that this position, those thrones, uh, don't involve glory as much as they involve suffering. He says, are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? And and he's speaking here clearly of the cup of suffering. cup of suffering. And Jesus uh, would go to glory, but the path or the road to glory was was through the cross and through suffering. And Jesus makes it clear that that any path following him uh, is, is a similar path, one that will involve suffering. And it's not... It's not that they, they would involve suffering only if they would lead, but really Jesus has made it clear that this is the call of all of his followers. To follow Christ means to take up our cross and follow him. So it's something that will be true of any of us who seek to follow Jesus as his disciples. Um, and of course they are convinced, because they really don't know what they're talking about, they're convinced, oh yeah, we can, we can drink the cup, we, we are with you on this. Of course, we see later that, that they really aren't like that. They um, they abandon Jesus at his moment of crisis, but but afterwards, when uh, Jesus raises from the dead and and, and they are called to lead the church, they do suffer. And in fact, uh, James becomes um, one of the first martyrs, uh, if not the first martyr of the church. So, uh, so this cost of following Jesus, and, and Jesus says. Um, yeah, you will drink this cup. Yeah, you're right. You will suffer. But it's not, it's not, it's not my right or power to give, uh, your, uh, to grant your request, right? He says this is appointed by my Father. He says in verse 23, to sit on my right hand or my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. So God is unfolding his plan, and that plan involves leaders and people he is calling up uh, to lead in his church and in his kingdom. And he said those positions have been determined by the Father and his plan from from long ago. But I think there's also a second reason why they don't really understand what they're asking. And that is because leadership really is more than just a position. uh, the, The request of their mom was that Jesus would grant them a position, a title, a, a status, right? Uh, that would give them glory and honor. But, but Jesus says that's really not what leadership is. Leadership is not just a position. Now, of course, it can be a position, and oftentimes it is. But leading is more than that, right? It's more than just occupying a seat or a chair or a position, right? Uh, it is not just about impressive thrones, um, but God is calling up leaders to serve him, lead his people in their families, in the church, and in the world. Um, but we don't do that by by a position, as much as we do it by the influence of our character. And he'll describe what that looks like in a minute. Um, but, but we lead by who we are and by the example of our life. And that's exactly how we will see Jesus led, by the example of his life. Uh, and it's important to see that Jesus himself, as as he models this, uh, really has no formal position of leadership as he's teaching them. Of course, now, he is the Messiah, and Jesus is looking forward to his kingdom. Jesus will ascend to his throne in heaven after the resurrection. But right now, Jesus is just a guy, right? He has no formal, recognized, official position. Uh, he's called rabbi. But he's not rabbi because he's been given some degree or some chair of some university or some great school of learning. He's just a man who has, uh, by his character, by who he is, attracted this crowd of followers. And of course, he is the son of God. He is the Messiah. But that's not how he leads. Right? He leads by his own character, by his own person. And, and, and so he, he tells them, look. Uh, leadership is much more than just sitting in a throne, right? It is who you are, and it's how you deal with people that makes you a kingdom kind of leader. Uh, so, so he goes on to explain what this looks like, uh, and to unpack this a bit more. And he says, starting in verse uh, 24, um, when, when the ten heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Uh, he says, you're, you're missing the point of what it means to be great, what it means to be leading, what it means to have position in the kingdom. Uh, you're understanding how misunderstanding how radically different, how upside down the kingdom is from the world. He says, worldly leaders use their position and power to dominate others. And, and the words here... Uh, for lord it over them and also for exercising authority are both words that have the idea of putting people under you, right, of dominating, of, 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 of bringing the weight of your position and power over people to push them down and, and to lord it over them. Uh, to, uh, to really by, by power and by force uh, demand people's obedience and to demand your way. Um, they, they use their positions uh, to dominate, right? And they use their authority to control and to force people into their plan and their agenda. But he says, it shall not be so among you. right? This is not how we do it. It shall not be so among you. But instead he says, whoever would be great, uh, and I think there the word great, he's not talking about greatness in terms of fame or in terms of of glory, although they are identifying uh, leadership being attended by glory, right? And that's maybe why they want to be leaders, because they think it will bring them glory and fame. Uh, but he, he's talking here not just about being great, about being famous, about having a great reputation, but really of being a leader, being in a, in a high position of leadership is if, if you want that, uh, you must be a, s- a servant. Right? Whoever would be great among you, whoever wants to be great, must be your servant. And whoever would be first, right, in that first position of leadership uh, among you, must be your slave. So upside down. Um, and he says, that not seeking a high position over others, but we're actually seeking to be the slave. And a slave in, in the Roman world, just like our day, is, is the lowest position of status and rank. Right? So maybe we could paraphrase it this way. Whoever wants, among, uh, whoever wants to be great among you needs to be the Mabon of all, right? The household servant of all. And of course, a slave was even below a Mabon. Because a maid bond can, can work for you or not, she has some freedom and some rights. But in that day, a slave didn't even have their own rights. Right? They were completely at the, lived their life at the will of someone else. Right? They had no freedom of their own. Um, and Jesus is saying here, uh, th- this is what it means to lead in my kingdom. Uh, so what does he mean by this? What, uh, what is, what, and what is, exactly does it mean for us to become a slave? In order to lead, uh, well, first of all, uh, he, he says here that, um, that that this is something that is actually worth desiring. So he does not criticize James and John for desiring this position, right? He could have said, "Man, it's a sin for you to even want that." Right? He does not do that. He does not rebuke them for their heart's desire, but he does change the way they think about what it means. And, and the truth is, there's nothing wrong with desiring to be a leader. Um, there's nothing wrong with, with with hoping or aspiring to that. Right. In fact, in 1 Timothy three one, Paul writes to Timothy. He says, "The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task." Right. So. Uh, Uh, God appoints leaders in his church. He appoints leaders in the home and leaders in in social realms. And and we need good leaders. We need people who aspire to lead. Right, Uh, So that's a good thing. Uh, Jesus was a leader, and he uh, he didn't uh, shirk his responsibility as a leader. Uh, But the question is, do you know what you're asking? Like, when you aspire to this role of being an overseer in the church or being a leader in your home or in business, or in the workplace, do you know what you're asking? Do you know the responsibility that goes with that? Uh, He says it is ultimately a responsibility of serving others, of serving others. It is not a power trip, it is actually a burden. And of course, many of you are in leadership roles, and you do lead, and you know, uh, as one who follows God, what it is to carry that burden of leadership. Right? It is taking on a responsibility for those under you and in your care. Um, so, what exactly does this look like? Right? Uh, we want to make this really practical. It'd be really easy to say, uh, just kind of stop here and say, you know, go out there and serve. But I want to break it down even further and really look at specifically what does this mean? What are some ways that we are to do this in our roles as leaders? And we want to look at Jesus' example. And in fact, Jesus himself puts, puts himself forward as an example to follow. Verse 28, he says, kind of the key verse for our passage. Um, uh, let's start with verse 27. Whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as, just as, in the same way as the Son of Man came, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So let's, let's break down this sentence and just look at uh, what Jesus says here and how he puts himself forward as, a, as an example of leadership, of servant leadership that we are to follow. Um, first thing, and I think I've got four or five things as so we break down this sentence to, to make this practical to our lives. First thing, Jesus is a real leader. He 's a real leader. Jesus is not saying here there is no need for leaders and and the sad reality is we live in a world today where most leaders uh, sadly in the church and outside the church certainly in the world are are not good examples right and they they don't model uh, the kind of people that we want to follow. they are like the leaders of Jesus day people who lord it over them and and so uh, Many leaders and institutions have eroded the trust of people who follow them. And, and so uh, in our modern world, uh, there's this kind of sense with, among a lot of people that the whole world would be better off without leaders. And so when it comes to the church, we, we, uh, we want to apply this thinking to the church and say, well, really what Jesus is saying here is that we shouldn't have leaders at all, right? We should just have servants and slaves, and there's no place for leaders. But that's not true, uh, God appoints and calls people to lead in these different places and domains that we've talked about. And uh, leadership is important, uh, but it's important that it's done following kingdom values. And Jesus is a real leader. Um, he knows his mission, and he's on a mission, and he is leading people in that mission. Uh, he is calling others to that mission, and he's calling them to obedience, Right, he's telling people what to do, and calling them to follow him and to follow God. Uh, now, he's not forcing obedience, right? He's not lording it over them by forcing obedience, but he is inviting people to join him on this path of obedience in following God's mission and God's plan. Um, and, and honestly, sometimes uh, he does that by inspiring them and by uh, painting a picture of of the glory and the promise of God's mission. But honestly, sometimes he does this by discouraging people from following him. Right? We've seen this over and over where uh, the disciples come to him and they say, Jesus, you're offending people. Right? And Jesus doesn't back off. Right? He, he draws a line in the sand and he forces the decision to follow him or not. Right? One way or another, he is forcing it. But he's not forcing it on them. Right? He's bringing people to a point of decision, and he leaves it up to their own free will. Right? And, and it's the brilliance of Jesus' leadership. He does not lord it over them, but he invites people to follow him. And he leaves it to their own free will to choose to follow him or to reject him. Um, uh, so, so leadership is, is really getting people uh, with you on this vision, right? Right? Uh, it's getting people uh, unified around this mission uh, that we know came from God and, and, and inspiring them to, to go with us on a journey to pursue that mission, to pr- pursue that vision that God has for us. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing. And, and Jesus calls us to that, right? As, as, as leaders in our home, right? are, we, are, we, are we inspiring our family to follow Christ? Are we putting before them this vision of what it means to know God and to follow Him, to walk in obedience to Him, and not to force our kids to it? A lot of parents try that, and and it's very frustrating. Because as it turns out, our children, even from a very young age, like a few months old, uh, exercise their own free will. Right? Can you believe that? And even though we're bigger and clearly smart, smarter, we all know that our children don't always take our advice. Right? And the bigger they get, the less likely they are to take our advice. Right? So we don't force them to obedience. Right? But as leaders, we, we lead them and we inspire them. And we use our influence to create a vision that they will want to follow the, the purpose and, and mission of God. Um, but the question is, how do we have that kind of influence? Right? Jesus clearly had this influence over people's lives where he didn't have to force them. He didn't have to demand them to follow, but he laid it out before them and people did follow him. So, so where does that influence come from? Where do, where do we develop the power over people, so to speak, that they would follow us? Well, Jesus explains how that happens by serving. Right. He says uh, the influence, the power that we have to lead others comes by the, by the very fact that we serve them. Right? So what does that look like? Well, he says, he says you, you, you need to become a servant even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Um, what's interesting is that Jesus uses this title here of Son of Man. Uh, and it's probably very intentional and uh if if you know the old testament well uh you would you would think about Daniel chapter 7 and Daniel chapter 7 talks about the son of man and I'm not going to read all of chapter 7 but let me just read two verses uh, Daniel 7:13 and 14 where it says I saw in the night visions and behold with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man that's where that title comes from. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. This is a picture of the Son of Man coming to receive, actually, his throne. And it says in verse 14, And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, uh, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. Okay, Daniel chapter 7. That all peoples, nations, and lang- nations, and languages should serve him. Why? Because he's king, right? His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Right, so, so Jesus intentionally uses this title, uh, Son of Man. And it pictures a day when Jesus will in, uh, receive his throne uh, after he was ascended to heaven. I, think, I believe he's, uh, he's received it already. And he's reigning there now. Uh, it's looking forward. Uh, and, and, and on that throne, uh, people of every nation, tribe, and language should and will serve him. He has a right to be served as the Lord of the universe. But here Jesus says, my mission here, my, my coming, my leading you here and now, was not to be served, but to serve. Right? To serve. Uh, Jesus came to serve. By, and, he, and he served by giving his life as a ransom. Right? Uh, he came and the ultimate way that he served his people, served us, was by going to the cross. And by taking on himself on the cross, the very wrath of God, the very curse for sin and death, so that we could be rescued we could be redeemed and set free uh, and be his children. Um, uh, and, and this highlights uh, that serving is, is first and foremost caring for the needs of, of those who we lead. Right? And, and, and good leaders do that by tuning in and understanding the needs of those they are serving. Right? Jesus knew that the great need of humanity was uh, was a savior who would be the ultimate and perfect sacrifice for sin. Now, now, when we talk about uh, being sensitive and understanding the needs of people, it doesn't mean really cater to everybody's whims. Like uh, parents know how this works. Like I know what my my, my, my small children want, um, and what they want usually has something to do with sugar, right? And, and kids want fun things, and they want they they want dessert, not vegetables, right? And that's kind of human nature. And leadership doesn't mean we cater to what they think they need, right? It doesn't mean well, if I'm leading, if I'm serving my my family, I'm going to always have dessert and never vegetables. I, mean, I kind of like that plan myself personally. However, that's that's not good leadership, right? Because it's not just what people think they need. Uh, the, the people of Israel thought they needed somebody to overthrow Rome. And they wanted a Messiah who would come and who would depose Herod and throw out Rome and, and defeat the Romans. But that wasn't really what they needed. Jesus was tuned into their real, deep, heartfelt need for salvation. right? So he was sensitive. He knew what they, were, they, were, they needed. And he, uh, he met that need. So as leaders, uh, with whatever scope of leadership we are in, uh, are we sensitive are we tuned in to the real needs the real needs whether people even know it or not? Do, do, are we tuned in to what they need to accomplish the mission right the plan that God has for us, the purpose and the path we're on to build his kingdom, to serve him? Uh, it, may, it may mean uh, that they need training or equipping. Uh, it may need, they, they need to change their thinking, and certainly Jesus wrestled with with his followers, needed to change their minds about what was important and how to do things. Um, maybe they need resources or help, right? But we're tuned in to what they really need to be successful. Uh, part of that, next thing, is is Jesus, uh, not only did he know their needs, but he removed the obstacles to success. Um, If Jesus was to truly have a kingdom where people followed him and entered into his kingdom, there was a huge roadblock, and that roadblock was was sin and death. And and the truth is, no one would ever follow him fully and completely. No one would ever love God or worship God fully and completely until he removed that huge roadblock. So he went to the cross to conquer sin and death, to remove the roadblock so that we could follow him so that we could be on mission with him. Uh, likewise, good leaders uh, see the obstacles that lay ahead of people, the things that are preventing people from being truly successful and from truly moving forward in fulfilling the mission. Right? Now, uh, we're not Jesus. Okay, so important disclaimer here. Jesus alone can be the ransom. Jesus alone can deal with sin and death. In many respects, God alone is is the one who can really meet people's needs and remove the roadblocks. right? So when we talk about leaders being those who who are sensitive to the needs of people and who are working to uh, clear the path to move forward, uh, a lot of times it doesn't mean that we do that ourselves, right But it does mean that we take responsibility for caring for people, right that we own uh, their needs as ours and we carry that as a responsibility and and maybe the first and most important thing we do is we just pray right we pray about that need and we bring it before the father and we say god um, there's this roadblock we can't move it but we we take the initiative and responsibility to pray those things away and as God answers prayer and as he moves and he leads, he may call us to do certain things and to take steps and take action, right? And we do that in service to our people. Uh, but we, we also do it, um, so, so Jesus uh, was a great son who did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom, right? Uh, leaders also sacrificially laid down their life to see those needs met, to care for their people. Right? Uh, good leadership always involves a price. Right? It costs us something to help people and to serve them. Like, I like the other version of leadership. I like it where I demand my way and everybody serves me. Because that doesn't cost me anything, right? Uh, that's me getting all the benefit and all the blessing, and it's getting an easy life because everybody does what I want. But Jesus turns it upside down. He says, no, good leaders lay down their life and sacrifice for their people. Right? They, they carry the responsibility and the weight of their needs and, and these, these obstacles that are in the way, and they lay down their life serving. Right? It costs something. Uh, when I was first married early on, a long time ago in our, in our, in our marriage, uh, I was very confused about roles in the household. And I thought, you know, the guys did the work outside, did the real work, <laughs> as, I, as I thought. And uh, housework was for the wives, right? So I expected my wife to do all the housework. And we had four little kids at one point, uh, most of them under the age of five, and she had her hands full. And I did not help her, right? Because I didn't think... I thought it was beneath me, right? But, but the Lord showed me that that was wrong, right? And that to lead didn't mean that I bossed her around and expected her to do all that and to serve me. It meant that I needed to serve her. I needed to come alongside and help her because she was, she was drowning in all of that work, right? And, and, uh, but it was hard, because I did work outside. I did have a real job. And I did work a lot of hours. And when I came home, I was tired. And I wanted, uh, I just wanted dinner, right? I wanted dessert. I wanted to sit in my soft chair and chill, right? It, it cost something uh, to, to, to come home and, and, and do more work, right? And to serve. But that's what good leaders do. Um, they sacrifice and they give. Uh, and they lay down their life for the benefit of others. But finally, Jesus says, "He says he, he did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many, uh, as a ransom for many." Important word there: many, not for all. Right? Jesus did uh, says here that uh, I think in that word "many," the many means all who would follow him, all who would put their trust and faith in him. Uh, Jesus desired that all would follow him, but he didn't force anybody, right? He gave them that choice. And, and leading, I think, for us is, is we lead for the many, that is, those who will follow us, not for all. And, and this is one of the hardest things of leadership that we have to learn, is that the truth is some people will not follow you, no matter how much you serve them, no matter how much you care for them. Uh, we don't have to worry about those who will not follow, right? That's between them and God. Jesus did not worry about those who rejected him. He warned them of what would come, but he didn't obsess over how to get them behind him. He focused on those who would follow, right? He focused on those who would trust him, who did believe in him and follow his mission. Same thing for us, right? We... Uh, we serve, we love people, we care for them, we do all we can to pave the way toward their success in God's mission. But we know that some people will not follow us, right? And, and we let that go. Right? We let it go. Um, does it work? Well, uh, not always, right? Sometimes it doesn't work. And, and the truth is that Jesus came to give his life for us, Jesus poured out his life on the cross. Did the whole world follow him? Sadly, no. Right? Uh, but for those who follow him, uh, his leadership worked. Why do we follow Jesus? Right? Do we follow Jesus because he's forcing us? Or because we've seen what a price he paid out of his great love for us? to save and rescue us, to serve us. Um, I hope that that is our motivation for serving, right? That we have been so touched and moved by his incredible gift, the incredible sacrifice he made laying down his life for us, that we joyfully choose to follow him because we know he loves us and he cares for us. And I think the same thing will be true for us as we lead. Not everybody will follow us. But those who do, those who show loyalty to us, will do so when they see that we care for them and we love them and we serve them. And again, it's not so that they will follow us so we get glory, but so that we can fulfill the mission God's called us to of leading them to fulfill God's purpose and God's plan. And so uh, as we think about our own leadership, I think one of the most important things we need to do to be good leaders is to contemplate and meditate and ponder how Jesus led us. I think we as leaders can never spend too much time thinking about the cross and and the price that Jesus gave of his own life to serve us. Because that's why we follow him. And it's why we want others to follow him and to follow us. So let's pray as we prepare our hearts to worship. And as the worship band comes, uh, and as we come before the Lord, um, we're going to spend some time thinking about and praying and and worshiping Jesus who gave his life for us. So let's just prepare our heart for that right now. Lord Jesus, we, we stand in awe that you are as it says in Daniel, worthy of, of, of dominion over all things. Worthy of all glory and honor and power. And, and all the nations and tribes and tongues should serve you. It's right, it's good that, that we serve you. And yet you came to this earth and you took on the form of a, of a servant and a slave. You humbled and emptied yourself. And you were obedient as a servant to the point of death, even death on the cross. Out of your great love for us to rescue and save and redeem us, to remove the obstacle of sin and death that kept us out of your kingdom so that you could be our King and our Lord. And Lord, we just want to take some time and reflect on on, on how you led by serving. How you led by laying down your life. Not by demanding your own rights or getting your own way in this world. But by loving and serving and through patience, caring for people. Uh, Lord, help us to reflect on that as we... As we sing these songs, as we pray these words back to you, we pray in Jesus' name. You've been listening to a sermon recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org.